Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and I'm here today with our producer Jimmy who has just banged the desk <laughs> and probably made a large noise in the recording. I did, I did. I but then you, you're you the one who has to deal with noises in the I recording. I know, I know. So it's like my own fault. <laughs> so, I, was, I was trying to move closer so, you know, because your voice overpowers I know, everybody I know. else's. I have to apologise to our podcast viewers for my voice. <laughs> listeners to our, my voice. It's just so loud. Um, so Jimmy's joined me today to discuss a book that is very timely for this time of year, and that is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which actually turns 175. Yes. 175? Yes. yes, 175 this year. Sorry, maths is not my strong point, clearly. <laughs> um, and also, I should note that this podcast seems to have been cursed, possibly yes. by Marley, possibly by the ghost of Christmas past, present, <laughs> or future, because this is the second time we've had to record this podcast, hasn't it? It is, and it's a bit of a shame, because we did such a wonderful recording last time, and then we only managed to do 10 minutes of it. Yeah, it was a, it was just a big disaster. So we hope that we're as witty and wise as we were last time, but those those excellent bond months are lost to yes. the digital, I don't know what, pile. To the ether. To the ether. Yeah, it's floating around there with the ghosts. <laughs> um, so, Jimmy, um, we both listened to an audiobook version of A Christmas Carol, which we've both read but many, many years ago. Um, so it's, I should say that it's um, available on Audible, the um, the adaptation we listen to. If you, yeah, just, if you just search for A Christmas Carol, it's got Derek Jacobi, Miriam Mar- uh, Margulies, Jenna Coleman, so if you just look for that, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, it's more of a, a radio play than yeah. an, an, an audio book. And in fact, I was actually, I was just looking it up um, last night to see what's still there. And it is, uh, and there's actually another entry that uh, um, Audible had created, uh, and this time it's Tim Curry. Yes, I saw that. Tim Curry is narrator. Oh, that yeah. would be nice to, to hear Yeah, Tim I know. Curry, Tim is anyway. dulcet tones. Yeah, so it's not Tim Curry. It's, it's, not, it's the other one. It's the radio yeah. play one, yes. We, I think we will, as we will come out in our discussion, I think we both really enjoyed it. So, Jimmy, what was it like going back to A Christmas Carol after all these years? Yeah, no, it was a fantastic experience, I think, because one of the main things um, that I noticed this time around is uh, the sympathy that I actually felt mm-hmm. to, towards Scrooge. You know? So I thought he was a much more sympathetic figure, um, mm-hmm. possibly because of the, the adaptation or possibly because I'm just older and wiser now. <laughs> and so I see Scrooge through a different lens, uh, whereas you know, when I was young, he was just possibly a, a grumpy old man. And you know, it's, I, I think most of us, Encountered um, a Christmas Carol when we were kids. Yeah. Through. For me, it was the, the Disney version, you know, Mickey's Christmas Carol. That was totally my Christmas Carol. I know some people are very um, attached to the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I, I do like, <laughs> but um, for me, Scrooge is Scrooge McDuck mm. and Bob Cratchit is Mickey Mouse. Yes. Um, and, you know. And, and we never looked it up. But we I never looked it up, but yes. I think Jacob Marley is goofy. Yeah, it could be. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's Goofy Marley. <laughs> yeah, Goofy Marley. Um, but yeah, so that is the image of a person Carol I have in my head, which mm. is Mickey Mouse. So that's not very serious. No. <laughs> but also, as true to most Disney adaptation, I think it's probably also a more sanitized. So we don't get some of those sad backstory um, that yeah. we do with, with this adaptation. And I think that's the source of the sympathy for me. Yeah. When you find out more about um, Scrooge, you realise he's not just that one-dimensional uh, villain or, or mm. you know, grumpy old man that you, know, you like to see him for. Uh, and he's actually have, you know, has quite a sad checkered past at the end of this. Yeah, that's definitely what I felt as well. I felt a lot of sympathy for Scrooge almost straight away. Even before the, the ghosts turn up, um, you know, he has this kind of really sad, lonely life. You know, he has his sad little meal in his sad little tavern. <laughs> and um, he's just, and we were talking in the first go round of this podcast about how old and frail he is. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think that comes across probably because of the actor who played him. Yeah. His name completely eludes me at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but he was just wonderful, and uh, he had a wonderful way of um, you know, putting power to his voice when he was the grumpy old Scrooge that we're familiar with. Mm. But then the vulnerable Scrooge sounds, um, his, his voice is almost uh, whisper thin, and you almost get a sense that this is the end, you know, the final stages of, of his life. Yeah. Uh, and it's something I can relate to because my voice is beginning to get whispered in. Not that <laughs> he's that age yet, but I'm beginning to notice as I get older, my voice is beginning to wear down a lot more. Uh, You're not that old, Jimmy. Jimmy is very youthful. Yeah, yes. But, uh, but, <laughs> but the voice is just being, you know, I don't have the power that Steph's voice, you know, magically has. <laughs> and like she, she can project. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no. I think I'm about six years old. Um, okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, a little tangent, but... Um, Yes, I think one of the things that we did pick up on is the fact that he is, uh, he is a frail old man. Yeah. And we forget that he's a frail old man because of uh, the, the image that we have mm. connected to Scrooge, that he's just this grumpy, um, rather vicious and mm. um, you know, Scrooge-like. You know, the, the word Scrooge is now synonymous with, with grumpy old men, so you know, yeah. that, that's, that's the, the image that we have of Scrooge. And we forget that he is um, yeah, quite a frail old man, really. Um, and I don't know, I, that made me a lot more sympathetic towards him than I think. I think it's also the intimacy of the form. Like I find, mm-hmm. you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, being a podcast host, mm-hmm. um, and I just love podcasts and, and audiobooks as well. And I think there's like a, a special intimacy of carrying someone's voice around with you in your ears. I think it, it, it has that kind of sense of, you know, um, somebody talking to you and like letting you in on their secrets and i don't that's not in you know a novel observation many people say that about podcasts and audiobooks but it just um i I suppose struck me that it wasn't a kind of i wasn't expecting like this emotional listening experience i was expecting something you know fun christmassy you know a very familiar story but it was much more kind of emotionally engaging than i had remembered it to be and i listened to it over the course of one day in you know drives. it's only three and a half hours long so it's not hard to get through if you've got you know a few drives and um you know some chores and stuff to do um so yeah i found it very intimate yeah and i think um this probably has more to do with dickens's writing than the actual podcast itself but i actually found it very very vivid in terms of uh, it's it's the ability to evoke images so, yes. you know, when they were describing the ghost, I could actually see the way that, you know, the, the ghost was actually yeah, appearing for them. He's so good on the details of Victorian life, too, oh, like the wonderful. taverns and the streets and, and the, the dirt. Fruit <laughs> and the dirt, yeah. And the smell. Oh, you know, he keeps talking about the smell and the dirt and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm going, I feel as if I'm there and I'm not sure I want to be there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to be there. And it's cold. I don't know how it, it may happen. You know, we're, we're driving around in you know, 30, 35 degrees heat and yeah, it feels not cold. cold. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much not cold in Sydney. But um, it feels, yeah, it, it's got that real kind of sense of atmosphere. And I mean, that's, again, that's Dickens. You know, he's mm. such a good writer of, of the social world. Yeah, and um, I actually have that rather vivid image of um, the doorknob turning into the face of, of yes. Marley. That was a fantastic description, I thought. Uh, and something I definitely don't remember from the Disney. I version. do remember it you from the Disney that. because in the Disney version it does. Oh, it's goofy. <laughs> and it turns into Goofy's face. It turns into Goofy's face. It's really weird. Somehow it's not yeah. as scary when it's Goofy's face. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's true. But I remember being scared by it. I remember being scared by the uh, the Ghost of Christmas Future. Yeah, the, the Ghost of, even on the on this audiobook, the Ghost of Christmas Future has a as a minutes. Which is something actually I I'd like to talk about because I think um, I never noticed that about the different types of ghosts. 
yeah. and what they really visually represented. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the, the future shouldn't represent a figure that, in a way, reminds us of, of the Green Bricker. But yeah. um, you know, Scrooge's future does, and, and it's a very, it's a black cloak. It's a, it's a figure of death, really. Well, if you really want to get like super dark, mm. isn't that the future for all of us? Well, yeah, I suppose yeah. That, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate <laughs> that's future, the ultimate future uh, for all of us. But when we say future, we have positive connotation with that word. We don't have yeah. you know, excitement, the, perhaps, excitement, yeah. you know, uh, possibility, and also like you know a bit of trepidation maybe about what it will look like. But yeah, here future is taken to mean its ultimate kind of destination. Mm. And then the present is an unusual description. It's this huge person, this this massive person, uh, and. He or she, which I never quite figured out what it is. Well, in the in the adaptation, it's it's missing. In the so it should be a she, I suppose. But the description seems very masculine for some reason. I think it's probably masculine in the book. Yeah. Um, but because it's Miriam, mm. and she's got such a like a homey kind of oh, I love voice. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, she just she she does kind of embody that kind of like jolly roly poly kind of Christmas image. Mm. I think. Yeah, but, but there's that wonderful description of her. Um, Sort of uh, being tied or connected to um, the corpses of, of these two babies. Yeah. Do you remember that? that yeah. I forgot what, what they, they stood for, but I just thought that was quite a scary bit of, bit of imagery. It was, it was something, it was, it's all very uh, thematic, and I wish I'd known some other things I could actually refer to them, but um, I just thought that was a wonderful idea of looking at how that's what uh, ties us to the present, and we're actually tied down by certain. Um, Responsibilities or people, people yeah, and, yeah. Like that. Uh, and so that's what she represented. But uh, it was interesting because I always thought uh, the ghost of the Christmas present um, was actually all about the present. But in this adaptation, it's actually the year she only represents one year. Yeah, and yeah. At that year, she she dies. And yeah, a, a, a new year born. I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, the ghosts are certainly kind of um, scarier, um, more melancholic. And I remember it maybe because again, like I have read the book, but it's so long ago, and and the 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 Disney version so indelibly printed <laughs> in my head um, that I just sort of don't see it as scary. I just see it as kind of like yeah. a kind of device, I suppose, to get him to where he needs to be. Exactly, yeah. and I think that's what made me really appreciate the, the, the um, audiobook because uh, it reminded me of how wonderful Dickens' mm. prose yeah. really was when he wrote the Christmas Carol. So it's not going to be. Sort of that Disney version where everything just happened to a specific reason. Yeah. It was fleshes things out and yeah. little details that he wants to and those little aspects of uh, humanity that you know, he likes to inject into every little situation. So I really loved uh, sort of seeing the nuances of this adaptation yeah. as opposed to uh, my rather simplistic memory of what a Christmas Carol uh, really was. Well, look, as much as I like Mickey, he didn't really pick up on the um, the nuances of the story as, as perhaps we would like. And, and there's something about that squeaky voice that just doesn't make Cratchit sympathetic. Yeah, no, no. He's just too kind of. Um, and I also kind of, kind of don't buy Mickey is sad. He's always happy. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's true. <laughs> he doesn't seem Cratchit. sad and could have put you know. <laughs> that's true. Although Bob Cratchit does make the best of things, I suppose. Yeah, and, and I also found Cratchit quite a. Um, a sad and, a, and tragic figure in some ways, especially the, the future, the Christmas, uh, Ghost of Christmas Future version. Of him. Yeah, before but, 2010. Yeah, yeah. there's a really sad image of him walking home, and it took him longer than usual, even though he doesn't have the burden of you know, yeah, carrying time. But he's just yeah. away down. Yeah, it's way That's down a lovely way of like visualizing or physically kind of embodying grief, but it's like 
it's actually making you slower. Yeah, and, and so that made me really sympathetic towards him as a character. I mean, he's quite sympathetic, a sympathetic character to begin with. But I think that description, um, that, that rather beautiful, the tragic description of him just yeah. weighed down by the burden of his own um, grief mm. over this child that he just loved so much that he couldn't save despite himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I go on my capitalist rant now? Yes. Okay, I've been ready for this. Um, so what sort of struck me as I'm re- as I was reading, listening to this or rereading it, I think listening to an audiobook counts as reading. Um, <laughs> we'll what, say it does. Yeah, <laughs> is that. I was sympathetic to Scrooge for all of the reasons that we've already said, but also because, you know, he's the ultimate kind of product of capitalism. He's done everything that he should do as a businessman in Victorian England. He has um, scrimped and saved. He hasn't spent his money, um, you know, wastefully. He has made lots of money. He's valued work. He has um, been very successful. He's done everything right. Well, he's the most successful businessman in this world. Yeah, exactly. So he has done exactly as Victorian capitalist society and our own capitalist society tells him to do. And it kind of annoys me that, like, that's seen as a kind of moral failing because he hasn't turned to that into charity. And the other thing that kind of troubles me on the flip side of this as well is that um, charity in this world, you know, pre-welfare state, pre um, you know, welfare payments pre the social security is just based on like somebody, a rich person's kind of individual acts of charity. Um, that's a really terrible world to live in where you're dependent on, you know, the mercy of rich people who don't really care in order to get by when you're a poor person. So I, I felt very sorry for Scrooge because he's being punished by the same society that says that everything he's done is correct and right. And also for the poor, that they are dependent on, you know, the scraps that fall off the rich person's table, basically. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the thing with money was very important to me when I was reading, when I was reading or listening to this book. I thought it was, um, that that was particularly interesting. And we were talking yesterday about um, the fact that as you age, you realise that money is important. Yes. And, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not everything. You know, you can't just live life through you know, the acquisition of money. They, you know, this book is very good at showing you that you've got to have a richer life than that. But it helps. It does. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that I would have loved to um, have seen fleshed out a little bit more uh, in, in the story is why and when, well, we know when, but possibly why Scrooge suddenly developed this um, obsession with, with money. Society told him he had to. Yeah, uh, in, in <laughs> yeah. a way society did, but um, like, why was it that he was so um, focused? I mean, that he, he seemed to have had everything up to that stage. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's almost as if, um, maybe it, it goes with that lovely idea of the, the golden handcuffs. Mm. You know, once you have more, you want more. Yeah, that's right. That. And so he, yeah, it just seemed to me strange that at some stage he sort of abandoned all his other values and money was... The main, the main yeah, the main love well, I wonder too if that's got to do with Fizzy Meek, his earlier, mm. his boss, who was extremely generous, mm. um, but ended up poor. poor, which isn't, you know, ideal either. And you can see that how much is kind of dependent on money mm. in this society because, you know, um, as we know, in, if we project into the future, Tony Tim's going to die just because mm. his family can't afford to care for him. Yeah. Um, so money is important in this society, and yet Scrooge's problem is that he is the rich man with no kind of social conscience. Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of just got all caught up, I suppose, in thinking about the role of money in this society and how capitalism tells us that you know the acquisition of wealth is the most important thing to do and is a kind of signifier of mm. success or 
or things you've you've done, yeah, you've achieved what you you should achieve in life if you're rich. Mm. But at the same time, it sort of positions rich people as as greedy and selfish. Mm. Yes, that's probably how most rich people become rich. Um, But at the same time, it also demonstrates the real practical um, consequences of not being rich. And those things aren't good. And not being rich or not having enough money is very, very bad too. Yeah, and I think that's the contradiction that uh, this text critiques, which is that if uh, for Scrooge to do the, the good and the charity that he does, he needs the money to exactly. be able to do it. Exactly. Uh, if he doesn't have the money, then he ends up being like the next boss. What's his name? Busy Wig. Yeah. Busy Wig again. Uh, where he'll just be, yeah, he'll be generous, but he can't really save anybody's life. Yeah. Whereas in this version, uh, Scrooge has the money to save Tiny Tim's life. Yeah. But if he wasn't Scrooge, he wouldn't have the money to save Tiny Tim's life, and therefore yeah. Tiny Tim would die anyway. So in a yeah, way, exactly. he, he's there's actually, a, yeah, there's he's a bind there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So he's actually benefiting, or uh, society is actually benefiting from Scrooge's wealth. Yeah. Uh, but it also condemns him at the same time for having that that wealth and in a way not sharing it. Yeah. But if he shared it, he wouldn't have it. So there's that strange yeah. contradiction at play. Well, exactly. And I mean, and that's what kind of um, that's what I mean by saying like you know he's done everything right mm. in order to acquire all this capital, and the only way you can acquire all this money is by being extremely with your money yeah. and and not splashing it around like Fizzy Wig does and have, perhaps he's reacting to you know that and Fizzy Wig being really kind of um spendthrift with his money um and yes you're right he does it does allow him to perform these acts of benevolence like when he goes out and buys the biggest turkey mm. in the end and he can tip the poor little um, boy on the street <laughs> generously so yeah as I was as I was listening to this I was just like but he's done everything correct and now society is blaming him for doing everything that society says he should do yeah so I mean basically I guess what we sort of concluded from from that ultimately is that it's not really Scrooge who's the problem is actually the, the system that um, burn it all down. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> like, was my conclusion. Yeah, that, that creates yeah. and nurtures and you know, um, encourages people to to be more Scrooge-like, mm. and then at the same time punishes them um, for doing that for succeeding. Well, then you're punished for succeeding, and you're punished for not succeeding. Mm. Yeah, because I me, mean, in a way, the argument ultimately, uh, I thought by the end of the story for me is who's in the worst state. Is it Scrooge mm. or the poor people? Definitely the poor people. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Scrooge doesn't live luxuriously. He has a lot of money, doesn't live luxuriously, but um, and he's also not happy. But then neither are the poor people who mm. you know, aren't, you know, who are just trying to um, get by on a day to day basis and support their family and everything. And, and they're starving and they're cold and they're miserable. And it's just not a great place to be. No, to be, Victorian England is not. You know, as much as we romanticise, you know, the past and Victorian England and all that, you don't want to be there. No. Unless you can find a happy like, middle class in England. Exactly. You know? <laughs> if you were very wealthy, it might be a wonderful place yeah, that's to, true. to be. But yeah. if you were you know, poor and destitute, then no, it's, it's probably one of the worst places. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and Dickens, as we know, had his own kind of um, very poor um, past and upbringing. Mm. And you can see that kind of um, understanding of the flight the poor in this book even when they're talking about they have that very nice um christmas at the pratchett's i mean it's very nice in that it's you know family you know they're all very lovely to each other in this kind of really sickly lovely way you know oh, i love you mommy and daddy you know this kind of thing um but their their food is so skimpy yes there was that lovely line where um she was uh, going around serving the christmas pudding 
and uh, the narrator mentioned that uh, the size was so small, but nobody ever dared to mention that because yeah. you know, that, that would be considered the height of rudeness to even bring yeah. up the fact that there was this pathetic little lump of Christmas pudding um, that they all had to sort of share. And then there was a, that other rather sad description of them not having enough uh, cups. Yes, they're only allowed, they only have two cups. Yeah, so they had to share this, this yeah. Christmas toast that they had to do. This is before they understood what germs were, really. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah. laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's not uh, it's not a place of wealth and plenty, and, mm. uh, and it's, uh, even during Christmas when they should be splurging, uh, this is their version of splurging, so we can only imagine what their day-to-day life would have been like. Mm. Yeah, he's so good at, at picking up on just the daily kind of privations and grind and you know that's kind of startling to us because we live in a world of such abundance the idea of only owning two cups is just (laughs) you know like I can't even count the amount of cups I have in my house so you know that that idea of this grinding kind of depressing poverty and it did make me feel very very guilty because in the last year or so I've become very very conscious of uh, wasting food Mm. so because I've been cooking a lot more these days I just keep thinking there's all this food that I end up wasting throwing away because I just don't end up using it. You, you go buy, I don't know, lettuce and you end up with this giant. You know, which half of it ends yeah, up which half, Yeah, half of it ends up in the bin and you, know, you end up eating half of it. And you think, oh, what a waste of food that is. And so we're living in uh, a place of plenty and these people are scraping by on barely anything, I suppose. And isn't the welfare state lovely? You know, we, we, we even though there's plenty of people living in poverty in Australia, um, as we know, and there are a lot of people living below the poverty line and a lot of homelessness. Um, it is nice to know that um, at least we have a governmental system of support, at least a nominal kind of um, amount and not relying on just nothing. Because it's just, it's so scary, I think, that thought of like poverty where there's absolutely no options mm. at all. Yeah. And in a way, what um, the story critiques is, I guess, um, Jacob Marley's punishment, which is that, you know, uh, in order to support the poor, you have to be wealthy but you have to be wealthy with a conscience yeah and the only time you get a conscience is after you die so, yeah and then your punishment then would be well you've got a conscience now but you can't actually do anything about it so all you can do is just watch people suffer I, yeah we were, we were saying yesterday that that's like the ultimate punishment hmm. for um for marley because he's punished because of his greediness and his grumpiness and whatever in life you know he's sort of another version of scrooge um but he's dead and he can't do anything about it so he just walks around with his guilt kind of with him all the time, quite literally. Um, and there's, you know, there's nothing you can really do with that. Like, what yeah. do you do? You just walk around. I mean, I suppose the only thing you can do is make Scrooge reform, mm. but he's still got this kind of crushing guilt and, and punishment that he has to Which he has for eternity. Yeah, I know. It's he has to carry around these chains for eternity, watching people suffer and yes. wanting to help them, but not being able to. It's, I mean, it actually reminds me of um, uh, Tartarus, you know, um, oh, what, what's his Yeah, name? the one that pushes the rock up the hill yeah, and then it yeah. falls down again, yeah. yeah but yeah and there were a few of them there's there also the yeah there's also Tantalus who's constantly hungry and keeps reaching for food but it just keeps you know, or constantly thirsty and the water keeps draining away, draining away yeah. as it gets close to it so it's yeah. almost like you know that very very almost mythical type of punishment that's been made out to, to Jacob Marley who yeah, uh, yeah this perpetual state of wanting to help because he didn't help when he was alive and now he's forced to just sort of suffer with, with the consequences of, of not helping well, we were talking about how kind of elemental or mystical or mythical this book seems to be. Mm. Um, and I was saying that 
it's, it's almost like it's always been there. This, this story is constantly kind of replicated. You know, even if you haven't read A Christmas Carol, you know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what it's about. Um, I'd say most people have, don't, haven't actually read the, the actual book, um, but have come to the story through endless mm-hmm. television If not the story, they would have heard the word Scrooge and understand the exactly. association with Scrooge yeah. himself. You know, so, so Scrooge has actually sort of transcended in the story itself and, and, and has become... Uh, almost like a, uh, a a term itself. Um, yeah, well, it is, you know, like a grumpy kind of... Um, and bar humbug, you know? Yeah, that's right, bar humbug as well, yeah. So Which I always wanted to know, what exactly is bar humbug? Well, bar is just like a bar. Um, and humbug, <laughs> isn't a humbug a sweet or lolly? Is it? I think it's an old lolly. But I don't know if it's from... I think it's like a 50s thing. Maybe, 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 I'm, just, maybe I'm just making that up. I don't know. I wasn't alive in the 50s. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it, it has a kind of mythical quality to it now. And I mean, we were talking about how many television shows and movies kind of replicate the story of A Christmas Carol, um, sometimes for comedic effect, sometimes more kind of um, seriously, you know, there's, there's a Doctor Who episode that I'm thinking of. Um, I think we talked about how there was a, the nanny yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a nanny episode. Yeah. <laughs> because the story itself is almost now archetypal. It is, you know, absolutely. It, it sees Christmas as... Uh, a time of of uh, repentance, redemption, yeah, and family. Your, yeah, family. Yeah. If you've been bad for the entire year, well, you know, you can redeem yourself during Christmas and make it all worth your while. So it's it's ultimately that that type of story. So it's not just simply about a day that redeems the. Um, yeah. It's a day that redeems Scrooge's entire life. That's right. In a way. Yeah, and like this redemptive kind of experience um, that people can have, that specifically at this time of year. Um, that's I think become quite bound up in our ideas of what Christmas is about. You know, as I as I was listening to this, I was thinking, oh my God, he's invented so much stuff about like mm-hmm. how we think about Christmas. And then there was that movie last year that came out. I didn't see it called The Man That Invented Christmas mm-hmm. about Charles Dickens and how he kind of created our sense of what Christmas is. And that's kind of you know the, the turkey dinner and the you know the Which the question: Is it a good thing or a bad thing that he's created our sense of what Christmas yeah. is? I mean, maybe if we stuck to it, <laughs> like if we actually, you know, thought about Christmas as this time of kind of charity, benevolence, mm. redemption, perhaps. Um, but you know, Christmas is so crass now and over commercialized. It's mm. just about you know the acquisition, not for everything, not for everybody, not in all in all respects. But it seems like a lot of the point of Christmas at the moment, or recently, or you know, for our modern world, is just about buying presents yeah that usually crap they're usually not wanted it's usually stressful um there's a lot of kind of nonsense that goes along with that this idea that you know you have to acquire so much stuff and and that the idea is is to give as many presents as possible and be the best present buyer and i just think do we need all this stuff we want so much you know we're now in a a, a, a consumerist yeah we are well we absolutely are well it's actually interesting because um uh, the gifts are becoming much more expensive, and one of the things my friends are actually me mentioning this, but I've really got a few friends telling me they want to buy uh, televisions yeah. as Christmas presents for uh, to give to people. Uh, television. Television. That's a really expensive present. It is. I'm not expecting anyone <laughs> to give me a television. <laughs> you know, have we gone to a stage where we're now giving televisions? God. So I was How much are your friends? Well, they're not that rich. <laughs> but they just decided, uh, for some reason, television seems to be a big gift this year for a few who are planning on giving televisions. I thought, Wow, that's insane. A television? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I remember when I was a kid and me and my brother used to get so much 
crap. And like, I don't know where any of it is, you know. I mean, maybe my parents have got some of it down in the bottom of the house or something. Um, but like toys and toys and toys mm. and plastic and plastic and plastic. I think like if we actually went back to this idea of thinking about Christmas as a time of giving and, and less about kind of competitive gift buying and more about a time <laughs> of, you know, just relaxing and spending time with your family and eating and, you know, just enjoying being together and not being at work. Well, I'm all for the eating part. I'm all for the eating part too. <laughs> I'm, I have no objection to eating. Anymore. But, um, you know, if we went back to that idea of like the simpler kind of Christmas just being about, you know, sharing a nice meal and being together and not being at work, having a day of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really into the not being at work thing, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, just, and that idea of charity and, and making sure that everybody, or making as, doing as much as you can towards making sure that everybody has somewhere to go and somewhere to, something to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, for, for me, Christmas always has a, a certain sense of duality to it. There's that lovely, warm, fuzzy mm. side where you get to spend time with your family and your friends and all that. Uh, and then there's the other side where I think about the people who are poor and yeah. lonely and sad. and it's, it's, Recently it's, bereaved people, yeah, you know, I mean, it must be terrible, you know. Yeah, it's, it's almost, you know, in order to have some of the really highs in society, you also have to have some of the really lows as well. So, it, you know, one of my favourite Christmas carol, um, and even now, Thinking about some of these Christmas carols, I'm not quite sure whether they should be happy or sad. Yeah. You know, do you always get that sense, of that, that mixed sense of there's a really, sadness? Yeah, there's a really melancholic kind of mm. sense to some of my favourite. I was I was doing a Christmas playlist on my Spotify last mm. night for some reason, and um, mm. what's you know, number one up there for you? Oh, Santa baby. Santa baby. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Such it's a kinky one. I know, I know, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just it's, it's like it's the, funny the Earth, the kid version, yeah 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 and i like the Caffini sisters one okay. they're like this like vintage in group anyway mm. um but there's this sort of melancholy sense to a lot of christmas carols yeah. and like you know it's also I, I worry sometimes as well about like you know these these images of, that we get sent or, or um given at christmas about you know, it must be happy it must be mm. special and you think like what if it's not yeah like all these people around you saying you have to spend it with your family what if you don't have family around you mm. um what if you're recently bereaved? what if it's not a special day for a variety of reasons you're sick you're in mm. hospital your things are going on in your and life and for a lot of people you know, it's um, they're just not the same religious affiliation that's right so, yeah yeah uh, so it, it almost seems to isolate people it does yeah um well, my, my favourite is uh, Have Yourself a Merry Christmas, and I find that song infinitely sad. That is, it's very melancholy. It's very that is a much better choice than Santa Baby. <laughs> Santa Baby I just like because of like all of the kind of shallow swinginess about it. I don't know why, I just like it. Anyway, you can judge me later. Um, you want some of those little gifts. Like I know, I do, I do want rocks. Black is Anyway. But like there is a sadness about about all of this, and there's a sadness in this in this book too, because even though, um, you know, Scrooge is redeemed, and you know he's all God blesses everyone. You know, the poor is still poor, and Victorian England is still dirty and yarp, and you know, there's not like even though it goes a long way towards kind of giving us a happy ending, it's not really a happy ending for everyone. No, it's not. I mean, the, the poor are still poor, and they're still struggling, and they still don't have their their daily lives. Scrooge does redeem himself, um, but you know, I, I always think about well, how long will it last? Exactly, and like the poor Bob Cratchit still—he only gets one day off. 
Well, he does get a raise at the end. He does get a raise, but he's still got to go back to work and yes. work in that counting house, counting all Scrooge's money. Yes, but he's he's, um, he's getting more coal now, so he's actually got. Warm. Yeah, that's true. He's got warmth. He can, yeah. Yeah, so he, his life has improved quite a lot, and Tiny Tim gets to leave. But at least give him Boxing Day off. Yeah, Boxing Come on. Did they have Boxing Day back then? Yes. Oh, they did, yeah. yeah. How long ago tradition was, was Boxing Day? I don't even know why. I don't even Boxing know Day. why it's called Boxing Day, but I know it was a big thing because it was St. Stephen's Day, and apparently mm-hmm. lots of um, aristocrats used to go hunting on Boxing Day, which is gross. Yeah, yeah. I not that. No. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it was like that. No, so, um, that's not going to So I, I think, you know, one of the other things that um, I was curious about with this story is what do you think in terms of, um, like, in terms of Christmas story, is this the ideal Christmas story, or? I don't know. I think it has become it. Like, I mean, obviously, there's the biblical Christmas story. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> um, but like, I think this has become the uh, Christmas story. Mm, it has. Uh, I mean, the only other one I can think of, which for me is quite sad, really, when I think about it, because it's more about my childhood than anything else, uh, is Rudolph. Yeah, that you know that is the most popular. I was reading an article about. It's it. the most popular Christmas show but it's got a wonderful message though i mean ultimately it's it's, it's really about um everybody uh, belonging yeah and acceptance and, yeah, acceptance and friendship which is in a way what this, this story is all about as well because at the end mm-hmm. uh, scrooge does find a place for himself you know, with yeah. his nephew and um get his newly acquainted friends yeah yeah and he's going to be you know more involved in the patch of family or whatever and more involved with the community as well yeah i think it is the ultimate christmas story it's just it's i mean it's almost hard to imagine Christmas without Dickens and A Christmas Carol. It's just, it's become kind of part of the bedrock of like culture, at least in the Anglophone world. Of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to think about what Christmas would like kind of look and feel like yeah. without it. Yeah, and well, I also wonder uh, how long before I become Scrooge myself. <laughs> you know, there's a house near, um, there's a street, one of those streets that goes really nuts um, with the Christmas lines um, in, in my area. And there's one house that is consistently always dark, there's no lights. But he <laughs> does, what he does, I'm assuming it's a he, I don't know why, that's probably bad of me. But um, on the roof of the house, they put up a, a cardboard um, poster of the Grinch. <laughs> And that always struck me as so funny. Like, there's all of these houses with these huge Christmas light displays that, and you know, it's one of those houses where, you, like, the, the ice cream truck will come in, and then you just see this house in complete darkness with a cardboard Grinch on the roof, and you think, at least he's supposed to have something. Like I know, I was going to say, he's got personality. He's got personality. There's actually also, too, a, um, a zombie on a, on a, um, he's always there all year. He, he lives on the balcony about a house around the corner from me. And he, I, I do love it. Every year they dress him as Santa, like zombie Santa. And so I love, like, it's really, it's really Christmas for me when the zombie around the corner puts on his <laughs> Christmas hat, his Santa hat, and his Santa jacket or whatever. So he's um, seasonal. He's a seasonal. He's zombie. seasonal zombie. Yeah, he's like a. He was a Halloween zombie, and now I think he's a. He's just like standard zombie, and and now he's well now it's Christmas. He's Christmas zombie. I wonder who, whether he'll be an Easter zombie. I've never seen him do Easter zombie, but I remember him. I think he's on the Valentine's Day movie. Oh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Long. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people find you know there's zombie moments as well. It's really weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this this conversation is completely derailed. But I think yesterday too we were talking about like how unfair it is that everyone knows Scrooge as like this horrible grumpy old man when he's redeemed. Yeah, I think you know, ultimately, we, we, uh, for me, it's it's left. Um, the story ends on quite a nice note. Yeah. You know, a note of redemption, and in a way, sort of 
part of what the Christmas spirit is really all about. Uh, but his reputation, unfortunately, doesn't suffer the same fate. Well, I mean, that's why we get Scrooge McDuck. Yes. Who, incidentally, is incorrectly named. He should be Ebenezer Scrooge. He should, he should be, be Ebenezer. Ebenezer Duck. Yeah, he should be Ebenezer Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Fred is played by Donald Duck? Is that what he is? I yes, was trying to figure yes. out who Fred was. Well, Fred is Donald Duck, yeah, because yeah, he's related. He's related. Yeah. He has to be a duck. He's a, he's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then where does uh, Huey, Julie, and Billy come in? I have no idea. Maybe they're just like random cousins. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe they were him when he was younger. Maybe. I think that Maybe. Donald Duck plays him as a child. Oh, really? As in, like, the young Scrooge was, like, Donald Duck. I don't know, maybe I'm So then Daisy up. Duck would be Belle? Pro- probably Daisy was Belle, yeah. Well, there you go. I can actually imagine Daisy crying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Daisy does sound a little bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to revisit her. Uh, I think we need to revisit a, a, Mickey, is it, is a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mickey's Christmas Carol, yeah. Yeah, because we're, we're getting a lot of references. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, stuff. I think it'd be interesting now to kind of watch a few of them hmm. um now that we've kind of revisited the at least in a tape like a annotation of the original in the radio play format well i think one of the things that um the disney version probably won't uh, wouldn't have done and i don't remember doing it uh, is to show in a way some of the uh darker side of the yeah the supporting characters yeah so there's that rather um quite vicious i thought scene at the end where all the, all the people were basically you know grave welcoming yes no. Isn't that a lovely view of society? I know, it's kind of like, well, like, he's okay. dead, let's, let's grow yeah, you know, I mean, let's and, steal all this stuff. And the reason, he was a horrible person in life, so, you know, this is what he deserves. Yeah. I just thought, ooh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's not a nice vision of this, of, like, you know, it, for a book that seems to uphold this idea of community, the community mm. is terrible. Mm. Well, I suppose, you know, their, their argument maybe is that, you know, because he didn't see himself as part of the community, then the mm. community felt free to punish him. Yeah, but, it's, but it's, it's a very vindictive yeah, community. And it's not a nice vision of all of these people saying, well, no. you know, he was horrible, so mm. I'm going to just rob him. Yeah, well, well <laughs> even um, in, in the present, when um, they went to uh, Fred's party. Yeah, and, uh, they were mocking well, him. Yeah, yeah, they were mocking him and saying really, really nasty things about him. And I thought, you know, in, in that uh, age of bullying of the world, it's, it's almost actually a form of bullying itself. I mean, he felt yeah. quite uh, ridiculed and quite sad as a result of it. So I just thought, well, you know, <laughs> But I kind of like that aspect of Dickens' story that mm. it brings in the nuances. It's not. Uh, it's a, complex. It's yeah. very, very complex, and all the characters are quite complex. I think the only really uncomplicated uh, or un, uh, character is, is Fred. I yeah. Think he, he just seems almost like a, a saint. Yeah, he's just like a jolly dude. Yeah, yeah. which is gen- a genuinely. Uh, even the narrator says, says pretty much the same thing. You know, if you've ever, if you've ever met somebody who's as nice as Fred, then introduce me because I've never seen anyone yeah. quite like this guy before. Yeah, he's just like this uncomplicated good person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he just seems to genuinely have quite a good heart because he's the only one that you know, raises a toast to his uncle, even though he, he very frankly said that um, he's pretty sure he's not in the will. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's none of that uh, ulterior motive. There, yeah, that's true. I'd say. Yeah, I think that's true. There is a complexity to the world that Dickens creates. It's not, you know, this kind of cartoon world of good people and bad people. It's just people being complex and messy and nice and bad and greedy and grumpy. And, you know, let's hear it for grumpy people too. Yeah. I, 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 my fundamental orientation towards the world is like on here, so <laughs> I, I understand and relate to Scrooge. I mean, people are annoying. And you know when he has those two people come to his house and try and hit him up for money? Mm-hmm. Um, who likes it when people knock on your door asking for things? Oh, I wouldn't even tell you about the the, the current one. is all that's stalking me at the moment. See, you know, 
would just pretend not to be home. Well, that's Isn't that a, terrible? Well, that's the thing. He rings me, and then uh, um, I was in the middle of doing something. So I said, look, I, I can't talk right now. And said, I'll call you back. And the next time he called me back, I, I was out of work, so I couldn't answer. So you know what he did? He called my parents' place. I don't know how he got my, my parents' number. And my parents went to a mad panic because they don't speak English that well. So oh they God. thought something had gone, you know, something had happened to me. And then they ended up calling me and so was a, uh, leaving a message. And I said, like, oh, all this because of... Yeah, like uh, there's some body wanting to sell you something. Like, yeah. yeah and, I said, oh, something. Uh, and, and so after that, I thought, you know what, I'm not a bad right now. Yeah, see, I I completely relate to Spoo saying, I don't want people showing up at my house and asking me for things. Yeah, because and I think you also feel compelled do so yeah and then it's no longer charity in the truest sense of the word i love donating money to charity i love you know being philanthropic i think it's really important i make a point of doing it i make a point of doing it all year round not just at christmas but like i hate when people hit you up hit you up for it Mm -hmm. like you know grab you in the shopping center or come to your house Mm -hmm. and call you and there's a sense of guilt as well you don't feel you're a bad person yeah because you're not supporting this this charity or whatever yeah it makes you feel bad in a kind of unnecessary way you you want to just do something because you want to do because you believe in it and because you think you know it's 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 very good a particular cause that is you know Mm. touched you or something you don't want to do it out of sense of obligation and just Mm. invincibly which is ultimately why people do it to get people out of their house or off the phone, yeah. or to leave them alone at the shopping centre. Yeah. And in a way, the nice message of this story is that at the end, Scrooge does reach that point. Yeah, he, he does, does reach that. Yeah. He does it out of goodness of his own heart, because you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to change. He wants to be a better person, so he wants to you know, contribute to society. And he thinks about what what would be useful. So he thinks, yeah. okay, I'm going to send a turkey to these people because they they're, hungry, it, they're, yeah. they're hungry and there's a big party of people. And I'm going to give Bob Cratchit a raise because that will provide ongoing benefit mm. and give him more coal so that he's not as cold in the room. Like that's practical. It's not all just like here, have some money. Yeah, it's like here, have and, some and relieving his conscience. They're actually very thoughtful things yeah. that he's doing. And, and things that will have like this really kind of beneficial slow. Mm burning um, kind of um, good to his life. It's not just saying he's 20 bucks, you know, mm. once off for Christmas. It's like, okay, you're going to have benefits all year round. Yeah, and I think ultimately by the end of the story, um, what I ended up with is that Scrooge turns out to be a much better character than most of the other characters yeah. in, in this world. I really <laughs> felt that too. I was, I was totally on Scrooge's side. <laughs> yeah, we're now Team Scrooge. Team Scrooge. Hashtag Team Scrooge. Hashtag justice for Scrooge. <laughs> and we need to stop assessing him. He's mainly grumpy very tired people because he's not he's neither grumpy nor tired of him no um and he's lovely yeah and he's proven to actually be you know the most charitable you know he gave so much money that even you know the two men were astounded and yeah and, you know, fell off their, their stool and he's was. very and he's very jolly he is very God jolly. bless everyone <laughs> you know he's you know he's all but i mean i think even before that uh i think there was that um scene where i think the ghost christmas presents showed him tiny tim for the first time and he felt genuine sympathy for this immediate immediate yeah exactly uh, and that's something that we don't often see i think we don't remember scrooge as, as someone who's sympathetic from the start we remember him as somebody who learns to be sympathetic because he's showing how horrible he is and everything. yeah but, but i think that was actually already in him it just it was, it was ignored maybe because of you know capitalism or, you know, or just like the lifestyle that he lived I didn't get yeah. the sense that he came in contact with many people. Yeah, because one of the things I think he said almost immediately upon seeing Tiny Tim is that he's in you know, our spirit. I just feel an overwhelming sense of, of love for this, yeah. this child. And that was not like based on like that the he'd been wounded or, yeah. you know, virtual. It's, it's just, oh, just there's, a a, there's, a, there's a child who is lovely and in pain mm. and I feel for him. Mm. 
And that came immediately. Yeah, that came, and, and I think that's what really won me over in terms mm. of Scrooge's character. Thought, you know, he's he's not somebody who's uh, repentant because he's been given a second chance, uh, and he's been shown how wicked he was before that. He was, he always had that goodness built within him. He just mm. never had. Um, he was never in a situation to really allow it out, I suppose. And then when he's sort of shown the repercussions, or you know, mm-hmm. if you don't intervene here, this is what's going to happen to mm-hmm. kind of scene, then he chooses to intervene as opposed to just simply saying, well, you know, I'm going to do it because it's to save my soul. Yeah, you know, that's right. Which is the wrong reason to, to do something. Yeah, because that's fundamentally about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this reminds me of the Good Place episode that I watched last night. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's a really nice place to wrap this up. I think this conversation was just as good as the one that we had yesterday. Um, thank you for coming back in, Jimmy. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> and if you want to give us a very lovely Christmas present that we will very much appreciate, you could leave a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts or drop us a line and tell us how much you've liked listening to the show over the past year. Um, you know, don't be hating on us at Christmas. <laughs> um, so we will see you again soon. Thank you, Jimmy, once again. And God blesses everyone. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Bye.